cliffcentral.com. Yeah, you don't have to worry about a thing because we got you, we got you. I'm Pumi Mashiro and you're listening to Womanda, the way we do it every Wednesday around this time. And today's show is really going to be fun because I had a, a very long chat, which was so much fun. I actually had to sit in my car in the middle of town for a good like 10 <laughs> minutes talking to this girl. And then last night... I practiced and practiced and practiced because I always get confused, right? Uh, and I practiced that I'm going to arrive here and I'm going to start the show by saying, eh, Ndimacheroni. Oh, you got right? it. Ndimacheroni, I would be. Yeah, I wasn't going to go that far. <laughs> but I was going to do it. I was like, I'm going to impress this girl. I'm going to hit her up with some vendor. Right? It works. I, was, I, I really had to practice for a little bit of time uh, to get that right. I have a very special young lady with me in the studio today. Her name's Tipsy with a very interesting story to tell. But my favorite part is that as you describe yourself, is you describe yourself, one of the things that you use to describe yourself is a husband retirer. And I was just like, <laughs> ha, I like this girl already. <laughs> Welcome, Tipsy. And you... uh uh, a relatively new full-time South African. Absolutely, yes. But you are a um, South African American. Right? Yes. Isn't that yes. South African American. It's, it sounds so confusing, but yeah, I'm a <laughs> South African born in South Africa, brought to America at age six, and then brought myself home after 26 years. Which is a big story. And how you were able to bring yourself home. And this is, is also... The story of taking the jump into the unknown and doing something new. Yes. Starting your own business. Scary at first. <laughs> <laughs> growing it and then growing your own confidence in that business enough to, to take the leap to come home. Mm-hmm. So you've got to tell the story of how you get into starting an online business because I think everybody and this time of the year, one of the things we talk about a lot here at Womandla is the, the big plans that we have for ourselves in the new year. You Those know, resolutions, we're going to do so much. We put make this long 100 list, long list thing and we're going to cross them off every month, right? And it's not just because you're going to cross them off. It's like, yeah, you know, new year, new beginnings. I'm going to start that business. I'm going to make the job. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to make it happen. And you did all of those things, scary as it was. Yes, I did. And it it was uh, many New Year's of saying, I'm going to do it this year. I'm going to do it this year and not doing it. And I had a lot of excuses for why I could not do it. And finally, my excuses ran out and I had no choice. And really, that happened because I had my third child. And with a third baby, I was juggling going to work, taking care of the other two. I had a work from home job, which is excellent. You know, I'm working in the corporate world, working four days a week from home, keeping the babies home with me, which if you've ever taken care of a baby, that's a full time job on its own. And then taking calls with your, you know, company and doing meetings online. I couldn't really manage all of it while answering to a boss. And so I said to myself, if I'm going to do it, it's finally going to be now. My baby was an infant. And that's when I took that leap of faith. And I took the leap of faith because I saw another mom doing it. She was also having, you know, kids, a husband, all types of stuff. 
And if she could do it, I said to myself, okay, what's your excuse, really? Because she was actually on government assistance. I had money. I was working on a real job. And if she's doing this, she believes in herself. Then it's time for me to step up and believe in me. And the business you are in is not the business you wanted to be in. It's not what you thought you were going to do. No. What did you want to do before we talk about what it is that you do do? So I had seen the first time I heard about life coaching was 2002. And I met this lady. I was working in a restaurant as the host. And I met this lady who told me, I'm a life coach. I help people, you know, cope in their lives, thrive in their lives. And I thought, this is so fascinating. How can I become one of these? And I looked all over. There was no training for it. So I kind of shelved it. And then later, when I found out that I could do this and there was training and a course for it, I took the course and I thought, okay, this is it. This is going to be my big time to launch a business as a, a life coach. And as I did it, I was in the very beginning stages, I met another person and I was going to host an online summit and interview a lot of people about what it's like to manage your life while growing a business. And one of them, she was a writer and she was doing copywriting online. And she said to me, I don't understand why you're going after this life coach thing. You're supposed to be a copywriter. And I said to her, you don't know me. You know, it was just like... <laughs> It was like you and I, we, we spoke for the first time last Friday. All of a sudden, she's telling me, I know what you're supposed to be. And I thought, okay, maybe this is God speaking. She kept saying it. She said, what's your rate? I don't have a rate. Pumi, where do you get a rate when you don't do something? <laughs> so I came up with a rate and I took seized the opportunity very quickly. And I did an assignment for her. Oops. <laughs> and the assignment went very well. And from there... She sent me a few clients and I was just in the right place at the right time with the right person who believed in me. I don't know why. God told her. I don't know. It was some kind of divine intervention for why she believed in me. And from there, I was able to use my skill and my expertise to grow an online business and use Facebook as a platform for getting clients. Wow. So a lot of people, this is like the dream for a lot of us. In 2016, in 2017, we're like, yeah, if I start a business, sell my service, use the social media, what, what, what. Instead of it just being like Facebook selfies about myself, I can <laughs> like grow my business. Everybody has a dream of growing their business. Yes. Online, on Facebook, on Twitter, on what, Instagram, whatever, whatever social media platforms there are. But very few people can actually do it. Yeah. Can actually do it. So the, the first thing is self-belief. If you believe in yourself and you have, um, a big desire for what you want to do, and this is your passion, my passion was really to help people. And that's why I wanted to do the life coaching because I wanted to help people become their best self. Then when I realized, okay, this, this opportunity with copywriting has come in front of me, then how can I actually leverage this and find a way using this tool to still help people improve their lives. And so I found that by infusing my passion into what I was doing, then I was able to actually get the clients. So I, you know, when I market myself, I don't just market myself as a writer. I market myself as someone who's going to help you find um, your truest self, someone who's going to help you market your business in a way that appeals to your ideal clients and makes them warm up to you before they ever even um, talk to you. They get to know you on those words on the page. And from those words on the page, they want to work with, with you. So I, you know, bring soul and heart and love into it. And so it comes from that, like that passion and that drive. So that's step one. 
That's a big step one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big step one. And just watching you and listening to you talk about it, it sounds easy. Mm-hmm. It sounds easy. Mm-hmm. But like I've come to learn that everything that sounds easy Isn't. is probably about a hundred times more difficult than what it sounds like. So for you, now you're in a business, you wanted to be a life coach and now you're in a business, you're growing a business that's mm-hmm. a copywriting business. That takes a bit of shifting your mind, right? It does, it but a it's a very of, similar skill. This? It's a very similar skill. When you're life coaching, you're coaching people into their best version of themselves. When you're copywriting, you're helping someone market themselves and their service. So people who I work with actually are life coaches, business coaches, health coaches. So it's a very similar skill in that I'm helping people bring out their best. And I find myself coaching people as I ask them questions. They don't know how to answer it. And I coach them into doing that, you know, answering those questions. From there, when we have a finished product, you know, something that I've written, then it's time to market. And a lot of people lose faith in themselves. They start looking around, comparing themselves. And that's when I my coach hat goes on again to help them, you know, step into self-belief, to help them go after it when the times get hard, to remember why they're actually doing this. Most of us are not doing this for the money, because if you're doing it for the money, you could stay in corporate. You're doing it because you have a bigger passion and a mission and a drive. And so I remind them of that through my interactions with my clients and I actually grew from just the writing side to teaching copywriting online, having courses that I teach, to actually coaching and helping people with the strategy and the consulting side of growing their business. And I've had my clients go from zero to their first 5000 or $10,000 a month working with me. And it's this amazing feeling of being able to bridge the gap and using all the skills together to create a complete package. So all well and good. You're like this huge business, you're helping people, you're, you're living your best life. Huh? You've got the three kids and everything is working. Yeah, it looks good. <laughs> Instagram worthy. <laughs> but life happens, hey? But you have always wanted to come back to South Africa. Mm-hmm. So you moved from South Africa with your parents yes. to the States. Yes, they wanted to go to school, like higher education graduate school. So that's why we went there. Okay. And so now you want to come back to South Africa. Mm-hmm. The South Africa that that's not really something that you know, know. I don't know it, no. <laughs> why? Why did you, what, what is it that made you want to come back to South Africa so badly? Everyone's dream all over the world mm-hmm. because of things like Nike and Coca-Cola and Apple, right? <laughs> and Hollywood is to move to America. And here you are in America, living your best life, growing your business, awesome husband, lovely kids, you know, all those things. All those things look nice on paper, right? (laughs) Let's be really honest. Right? They look nice when you're there. You know, people imagine this place that's paved in gold. It's not like that. It's, you know, life can be really hard living in the States, getting help is very unaffordable. <laughs> and um, being so far away from my family, from day one when I got to America, I was a little kid. I used to cry and say, take me home. Why are we here? Why did we come here so far from my grandparents, my cousins? I didn't understand why we moved there. I didn't understand this whole, you know, giving me a better life, giving me more opportunities. Now I can look back and appreciate what my parents did for me, bringing me there because I was able to get 
a different perspective. And I see the difference that it's made for me between myself and other people who never got an outside view, right? But that sense of home never left me. Inside, I'm just a Venda girl running barefoot, wanting to eat my bop and tripe and whatever, and just be at home. I love home more than anything. and I love my family. I come from the most warm, amazing, um, beautiful family. And to see the pictures of them going on holidays together, you know, weddings, funerals, babies being born, I was never part of it. And even my language, to have the ties back to my language, I don't have anybody in America to speak it Venda with. So 26 years being gone, is, it's like way too long for me to be gone away from the creature comforts of home. Even if I'm not absolutely familiar with all aspects of this land, this land is in my blood. And I, my husband knew from day one when he met me. If you want to date me, we're going home and then we're going to my home. <laughs> so you signed up for that. <laughs> he signed up for that. He's here in the background. He signed up for that. And luckily he loves it here. And coming back to South Africa. So you've been back and I have to remind myself it's now 2017. So this is your second year mm -hmm. back in South Africa. Going into it. Yeah. Going into your second year in South Africa. And it's a vastly different place Very. than America. Mm -hmm. And everything you read for us South Africans, everything you read, everything you see, everything in the paper is such doom and gloom. And it's the end of the world. In America? For South Africans. Oh. Every day. Every day is like Armageddon here in South Africa. It's like, this is the day we're going to get downgraded. This is the day everything goes to shit. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny. I thought you were talking about America when you were saying that, because that's what Americans are always saying about, you know, right now they're all feeling that way with the new president and all this stuff. For me, I never felt that this place is very different. If I was in the States right now, the only difference is changing. Let's change the languages and let's change maybe the foods. But otherwise, I look around. It's very much the same. The culture is different, but the place I look and I'm just as comfortable here as I was over there. The data cost me a little bit more here, you know, <laughs> a little, <laughs> but other than that, the data stability, <laughs> you know, so that is the only difference that I've noticed is that, um, the data, the language, the culture, but otherwise there's not that much difference between here and there. We lived in Washington, DC, the suburbs of Washington, DC. It's looks very much like the suburbs of Johannesburg. Mm. And then you came back and you brought your kids and your husband and you live with your dad as well. Yes. What for you has been the most fulfilling part of being with all of those people here and still being able to run your business? The most fulfilling part is let me be honest with you. It's earning in dollars. <laughs> it's earning in dollars while living this amazing life with my family, my extended family. You know, we just came back from a visit in Clarence with my mom's six brothers and their children. What? Yes. And we do that every year, family reunion. And you imagine me looking at those pictures and I wasn't in them for years and years. Now I get to be there. I'm getting emotional about it. I get to be there. My kids get to play with my cousins. My um, aunt, my aunts and uncles get to pick my kids up and invent the culture. You call all your great, your your um, moms and dads, un uh, 
uncles are your grandparents. So I get to watch them grandparent my kids. And, you know, my kids are running around. It's so much fun. And for me to be building this business, it's mostly with American clients, UK clients, Canadian clients, Australian, people all over the world. And now I'm ready to bring that home. What will really ultimately make me feel fulfilled is to be teaching South Africans these skills, to be teaching young people who are coming out of university or high school that they don't have to go and work for someone else, that if they have a passion or a drive or a skill, they can actually use what they know to create a business of their own, uh, doing exactly what I've done. Because I learned from someone else. I also had mentors. And now it's time for me to give back in that way. So that's my big goal for 2017 is to um, reach out to my brothers and sisters back here at home and help them. Because if I am thriving and they are thriving, that is the ultimate. I can't thrive on my own. Mm. And for your kids... Having them, so you were telling me before we came in the studio that your two-year-old only speaks Venda. <laughs> Absolutely love. I'm just like, oh dear. And it shocks people because she looks very light skinned, right? So she doesn't necessarily look African, or even maybe people might not even guess that her mom is black. And so you see her, you know, running around. And then I yell to her, you know, Dani, come here. And people are like, oh, what? This child? What? It, you know, it really shocks people. <laughs> so that's, you know, a lot of fun. I think my family, my husband is white. I'm black. It's a lot of fun to also bring diversity here. Mm-hmm. You know, we all over the world don't realize or appreciate the differences between us. We think, oh, we're so different from white people or from Asian people or from this or that. And for us to just be a normal family, doing normal activities with one kid who only speaks Venda, the other kid speaks, uh, one speaks only English, the other one speaks a mixture of Venda and English. <laughs> such a South African story, guys. It really is. Two years in and you've got such a South African story. It's quite something to listen to. And and so as you then watch these kids grow up and knowing what you know about the rest of the world, uh, for you, what is the, the thing that your hope for them going forward? And I ask these questions, you know, I mean, just two days ago, what's today, Wednesday? So two days ago, watching the ANC's big January 8 conference on the news listening to the rhetoric, listening to the politics and watching, again, from a very South African perspective, watching everybody feel like it's an Armageddon and coming to the end. Mm -hmm. And where I feel very hopeful and very excited about the future, I often wonder what other people um, feel about the future that they have for their children here in this country. So what's your hope for your kids? That they stay here forever or Go home. This is home. This is home. In fact, when we first wanted to move back here, we moved, we wanted to move back to Venda Mm. and to be in our homeland. That was so important to me. It didn't work out with accommodation there. And so we ended up here. Our kids ended up going to school and we don't want to uproot them again. Mm. And so, you know, we're here in Pretoria, but we try to go home to Venda as much as possible. My goal, my hope is for them to feel that this is home as much as I feel it's home. 
and for them to visit the States and see their family in the States and know that they're visiting, just like I used to when I was a kid. I'd know I was coming here and visiting only to go back. And I want them to do the same, to go and visit the States and see, you know, their family there and then come back here. And for them to see a strong black woman in a, a role of leadership and for them to know that if, you know, their mom could do it, then they could do it. My mom was a black woman in 1990, going to America, and she went there and got two master's degrees and a PhD. And I watched her unapologetically go after it. When people said, oh, you know, this wife, she doesn't cook, she doesn't clean, she doesn't do this, all the things expected of her, she didn't do them. My dad would help her because my dad believed in her dream as much as she believed in her dream. And so that, for me, was permission to be myself, permission to go after my dreams, to do the scary things like leave a really good paying job working <laughs> um, in corporate as a, a um, contracting employee for the military in the U.S. and leave behind that stability, quote unquote, for a whole new life. I was only able to do that because I had the courage that um, built up from watching my mom be that woman and watching my dad be secure enough as a man not to feel nervous or scared that his wife achieving big things would emasculate him, right? So I want my kids to see that and for my neighbors to see that and for kids all over the country to see as a black woman, you don't have to be boxed into anything. People tell me all the time I'm a bad wife. They tell me all the time. <laughs> we go to the... <laughs> we, Are you a bad wife? <laughs> we, I, listen, I don't cook. I also don't cook. I don't clean. I don't... Um, we go to an event. I'm not preparing his plate. He prepares his own plate. People look How at me like I'm that, crazy. Your tipsy. <laughs> this this one, uh, this one requires it requires a, a moment to to take it in, and because I do have to chat about that. No, no, no. This is this is real. Okay, this this does require me to take a moment and take it all in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking to Tipsy. My name is Pumi Mashekwe and you're on Wumandla. We're talking about starting online businesses, living your best life and evidently not being a good wife. <laughs> but I, I do, that, that is because in my mind, having lived in South Africa all my life mm-hmm. and having watched all types of dynamics between all different tribal groups mm-hmm. of of blacks. <laughs> I was clear, clear that I'm never gonna marry a Zulu man. And I'm secondly never going to marry a vendor man because <laughs> in my mind the the idea of, of being a vendor wife is is the the kind of the the form of subservience it requires from the wife. The form of uh, looking after a man, the fo- and you see this at funerals, you see this at weddings, you see this at just general gatherings, and how I was clear that I don't know if I can take this on. So when we get back, we're gonna chat a little bit about discovering that about your personal roots <laughs> and being back home and knowing that it's not really you. <laughs> She's Mama Africa and she's definitely one of my favorites. This is when she came back. So when she came back after many, many years, um, 
in exile, Tipsy. This is the first song she released in South Africa. Oh, wow. Which is Sing Me a Song. And I really love the song because it's about a new day, a new age, a new, you know, new beginning. And she'd been away from home from a very young age. So I thought it would be a nice song to play for you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Pumima Shekho and you're listening to Umandla. I'm chatting with Tipsy and I'm introducing you to her because... She, I, I think she's the kind of person that I want to have on Womandla more often. I really want us this year to all grow, all grow. And when it comes to growing businesses and, and growing businesses that can earn in dollars, <laughs> dollars, as she says, I think there's an opportunity for all of us girls. And so you get to meet this fabulous girl today. And over the next few months, she's going to help us all become our fabulous selves. So Tepsi, before, um, that awesome song, we're chanting <laughs> about being a bad wife. Yeah. Right. And so you're all. Coming back from America with this idealistic life, love of rural vendor culture. Yeah. And, and you are what is not termed a good wife. Mm, I'm not a good wife. So how was that readjustment into the big family structures, into the big family reunions as your aunts and uncles and whatever, and you're not giving your husband a plate of food? You know, everybody kind of gave me a side eye, like, what is she doing? <laughs> you know, this relationship will never last. She doesn't know her role. She doesn't know her place. But like I said in the beginning, my mom... She was always going after her dreams. I never have seen my mom serve yeah, tipsy. my dad. So th- that's fine because y'all were in America. No, right? even when we no, were in you South Africa, even when we were in South Africa, I never saw the first six years of my life, never saw my mom serving my dad ever. So to me, that was foreign. I was never taught or I was never told. I was never trained that this is your role. So for me, it's foreign to see somebody serving somebody else. That was the foreign thing because I never, I actually remember being in fifth grade, going to a friend's house in America, seeing the mom doing all the cooking and all the cleaning and the dad just sitting there. And I remember going home and saying, you know, I saw the most interesting thing today. So-and-so's dad sat there the whole day and the mom did everything. That is so weird. And my parents were like, you know, that's how most families do it. I had never known. So uh, at this time when you're getting the side eye from the aunties, did anyone pull you aside and say hey, listen here, girl this ain't gonna work. Yes, they said, <laughs> you're you gonna know, lose your man. <laughs> he's gonna see everybody else being served and treated like a king and he's gonna feel some kind of way that he's not getting the same treatment. And even in America, most women do that for their husbands. And so I'm just different everywhere. But my family is also very accepting very loving. And now they're just like, she is what she is. is we cannot change her. She is her own person. We're going to love her, even if she doesn't know what the heck she's doing with her life. Was this the moment <laughs> you then broke it to them to say, I've actually given my husband my last name? Did you break that one to them? No. Do they know this? That one we had to do. <laughs> we had to do a little bit like slower. So first, I was like, you know, we were talking about okay, when we get married, what are we going to, you know, do? You know, you're talking about all the different things. And it came to the name. And he said, so, you know, what are we going to do with your name? And I was like, I'm going to keep my name. I've had my name all this time. All my life. You know, I was 26 (laughs) years old. And I was like, I'm not changing, you know, now. It's going to feel weird. And his last name 
and my name just didn't gel that much. I just didn't think it gels. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then he said to me, but a family has to have one name. You know, when we go to the airport, this is our biggest reference because we travel so much. And I hand them all the passports. We, they'll only let us all through if we all have one name in the same line. What a crazy idea. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so as he's talking this through, then he goes, wait a minute. That doesn't mean I have to force you into my name. We can all have one name and it can be yours. That's no big deal. He was like, oh, I didn't even think of that. He was a woman studies major in university. That's what he studied for four years. So he, you know, is very <laughs> eager and very feministic. He's like, you know, is that a word? I don't know, feministic, but he... It is now. <laughs> it, it is the old womanza. So he was happy to take on the name and it was something different. He had to go through a lot to change that name. They didn't want to allow, you know, a woman goes to the office and hands their marriage certificate and they give you your new IDs and everything. He did that and they looked at him like... What's wrong with What you? are you doing? We don't, this, this is not done here. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I thought it was easy. I thought it oh, was easy. No, it was, it was a formal name change. He had to go through the courts and he had to notify all the different credit bureaus and all the things. It Wh- took time. Which is all the things that women do anyway. But for them, it's much easier. You just call and say, I've gotten married. You don't have to go to court. You don't have to, you know, he had to go and stand in front of a judge and, you know, get, I don't know, get an oath with his new name. It was a big process. And um at the time in the U.S., they hadn't changed the laws. Since they've changed the laws, and now a man can go with his, you know, marriage certificate. But at the time, everybody looked at us like we had like four heads. It was really strange. So I remember calling my husband and my dad and saying, Dad, Sean's going to take our name. How do you feel about that? Yeah. What was the answer to that? My dad was like, really? Yes. This is awesome. Oh my gosh. You know, because at the time I was an only child and a woman. And so the name for his lineage was going to be done. And so this is a chance for his name to go on. And I'm hoping my children do the same thing. You know, because you only have girls. I only have girls. So, you know, it was, it was a new thing. He was excited. The rest of the family was like, this is weird. Our friends were like, only you two. We don't know what to do with this information. <laughs> we don't know how to handle it. And when my dad and my husband go somewhere and my, my husband hands an ID, they look at them like, what's this? And my husband will say, well, this is my dad. He adopted me. You know, when Venda people go to America, they adopt white kids. <laughs> he just makes that up. <laughs> dad. <laughs> And so we'd confuse everyone, but that's part of what I'm saying. I want to disrupt the quote unquote norm and the boring stereotypes of what you should be doing and who you should be and how you should represent yourself. Why? Why should a woman take a man's name? Because it's tradition. Why is it tradition? Because it's been done for years. Why is it done? Because we used to be property. And because now that signified that my husband owned me. But he doesn't own me. You know, we're in 2017 Mm -hmm. and we're here, equal partnership. And I retired him. Gosh, darn it. So. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That is, that is a phrase we have not heard here on. (laughs) I think you might have to say that one again. Gosh, Gosh darn, darn it. it. That's it. We have, we have got a, there you go. South Drop African. The mic. Boom. South African, American, vendor American in the house. Gosh darn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to leave her with that part. I'm going to assume that that came with the being married to a white guy. I don't know about that one, but anyway. 
Disruptions. Disruptions. So speaking of disrupting the way things are and the, the things we know, this is your philosophy towards business coaching. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that you do. So you do copywriting and that's great. It's the thing that pays the bill, but the, the thing that feeds the heart and the thing that feeds the soul of Tipsy is business coaching. Mm-hmm. And for you, what was the, the biggest disruptor that you had to become okay with when you started your business and in building your business? You know, um, both things actually pay the bills, you know, happily. Luckily, I'm, I'm able to do both. And people saw my success on the copy side, copywriting, and they said, wow, you know, I'm a creative, I'm a web designer, or I'm a writer, or I'm this, I'm a healer. Lately, I've had a lot of psychics come to me. They say, what are you doing? What are you doing that I'm not doing? Because I see everyone talking about you. I see your ads. I see, you know, all this stuff. You're getting attention. You know, I see you in magazines. What are you doing that I'm not doing to get clients? I need help. And so those creatives came to me and asked me for help. And I thought, well, who am I to help somebody grow my business? I just started. But who am I not to seize the opportunity when someone asks? That's what I actually had to realize. The fear that I had that I couldn't perform or that I'm not the one, I threw that out. And I, you know, decided that I could actually help other people. And that's how I started the business consulting and coaching side of things. Um, and the disrupting factor, really, when I'm amongst my peers, other top online entrepreneurs, uh, they call me an industry influencer and a leader in our space. And I'm one of the only black people in the room many of the time. And not only that, there are not a lot of copywriting people who are women in general, never mind another black one on the stage on these large platforms. And so that is for me the big disruptor because I now get emails from people saying, hey, I saw your ad. I saw what you were doing. I thought I have to be blonde, skinny, tall in order to do this. I thought I had, you know, people told me all types of things and I've been telling myself all types of things about who I had to be in order to succeed. And one person even told me, their coach said, if you want to be one of these big, you know, people, that's not going to be for you. You're black. And she was here also a black person telling this person, you won't be able to achieve that status. What? Yes. So disrupting for me is coming in with my ethnic clothing with my um, unapologetic love of my country with going to Venda and live streaming and showing them this is my my home this is where I'm from this is who I truly am with going on stages when I'm invited to speak and telling my story of where I come from and the legacy that is South Africa and Venda and my heritage that for me is a big disruptor and it's what actually gets me a lot of attention because I'm different and people think you should be mixing in and be doing the same thing as other people in order to succeed. But actually I've done the opposite. I've brought soul into my business. I tell my clients I love them. I um, talk to them about their lives. I, you know, my kids sometimes will walk in in a consultation with a client. This client's paid me a lot of money to talk for this hour and my cl- my kid will walk in. Mommy, I'm looking for some underwear. And <laughs> and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry to my clients. My clients, oh my gosh, this is refreshing. If you're successful and your kid is walking in asking for underwear, maybe I can do this too. So the disruption is just by doing everything completely different and always delivering a quality product 
to my client. Quality advice or quality writing, that is what I always don't compromise on, that quality. But I can bring in my personality any time into my business and not be apologizing for who I am. So you're online at Tipsy, T-E-P-S-I-I. Took me a little bit of time to try and find that, right? Because like Tipsy is one I. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right? Double I, I-I. Yes, dot com. Dot com. And when you go on the site, I love the site. And obviously you're a copywriter, so the copy is right. <laughs> Thank <laughs> She's you. She's a copywriter. But I love the fact that on your site, you you not only have stuff about how to find you, all the stuff that you're selling, but you also have like free th- free stuff <laughs> things. Yes. That kind of merged into one word. Um, free stuff on your site that people can go to and look at. Tell me about how you got into packaging and creating those kinds of things that are freebies and... Now they're out there and you're giving them away? I'm giving them away. So if you go to tepsy.com slash freebies, you can find them. And on what I do is personal branding. What I am is a personal brand. I'm a I'm an individual who shows up as themselves and sells. I'm selling my personality. I'm selling an hour hanging out with me. Really? That's what I'm doing. And during that hour, I'm going to teach you some what? stuff. You should be paid me for hanging out with me right now. <laughs> no. I <Again>. should. <laughs> So with what I'm teaching, um, part of being a personal brand is bringing all these facets of you. So if you go on my website, you'll see pictures of my family. You'll see stories of who I am and where I come from. And my goal is to capture always your email address. If I can capture your email address, I can then communicate with you. You've given me permission to communicate with you further. When I can communicate with you, I can tell you what's up in my life. I can share details. I can write you love letters. And then from time to time, I can also send you promotions and tell you what I'm selling. And so the strategy behind the freebie is to give away some of your best quality information or strategies or um, concepts And once somebody gets a taste of that and they say, wow, she gave this to me for free, I imagine what is her paid stuff like? What is it like if I pay her to be in her membership community or to um, get copy, her take part in her copywriting course or her coaching program? What's that going to be like? And it excites people. They'll message me and say, oh, my gosh, this thing is worth gold. I was able to achieve this and this and this with it. And now I want to hire you. And so that is the strategy behind giving away free stuff. A lot of people are scared and they live in a scarcity mindset thinking if they give it away for free, no one will buy. But what's happened actually? Well, because a lot of us believe that if I give something away, it will erode the value of the thing that you must pay for. So Mm. if this is free, why must you pay for the other stuff? Because the other stuff, okay, so the goal of the free stuff is to take you only a certain distance. So I'm going to show you a lot of the how, but not the, or the what, but not the how. So with the free, I'm showing you what. So I have a free uh, guide to writing a sales page. And this is a sales page for a product or a program that you're selling. And in that free guide, I'm telling you what you need to have on your sales page. But when you pay me and you take my program, I'm going to show you how to actually write that step by step. So I bridge the gap with what my paid offering is. And with the free one, I'm just giving you a taste, you know, and a taste, you know, if you go into a restaurant and you only have an appetizer and you leave, you're still hungry. Mm. Do you see the concept there? Mm. 
right. So you can get a taste in the freebies yes. of stuff. And the, the paid for stuff. So what is the paid for coaching that you do? So what I, does that entail? I have two programs. The first is a very low cost monthly program. It's a monthly membership community. So you pay, um, what would that be? Oh, I'm not good. Okay. Around so 150 rand, maybe a <laughs> hundred. Oh, 400 rand a month. Yeah, well, for your first month. Oh, 400 so rand for 400, your first month. Okay. 400 rand a month. And for that 400 rand, you get access to me and a community of other people who are growing their business. They're asking questions every day. They're getting advice. They're posting what they're working on. And they're also getting access to some of my lessons of my curriculum. And so that that gives them a taste of what it's like to work with me actually a little bit more. And from there, some people are like, okay, this is awesome. I'm getting, you know, a little bit. I want to go further with you. Mm -hmm. And then they sign up for my other bigger programs. From there, I have a copywriting. It's about six week program and also a business coaching program. It's 12 weeks long. So the, the goal is to have three tiers in my business. So people can come in on the entry level. Anybody can afford 400 rand a month. Really, you know, if you want, if you're serious about growing your business and you don't want to pay 400 rand a month, then you're not serious, right? <laughs> you're not serious. <laughs> so you can start with the 400 rand and then move up into the other offerings. You sort of graduate up as you see, wow, I got so much value out of this one. I'm going to take the next step. And, you know, I've had people tell me they've gotten their first client from my free things. Mm. And so now they're like, well, I have one. How do I get five? Mm. And then that's why they want to step up the ladder into my other paid offerings. And how much time does it require of a person? So how much time do I need to invest? I can understand the 400 grand, ne? Mm -hmm. but the time that I need to invest in order to, to get this quality out of the experience with you. So when I was starting my business, I'm going to tell you I was a little bit crazy. So I used to work about 18 to 20 hours a day combining my business, my day job and my business. And so because I was doing both at once for the first two months until I made a really nice sum of money and I was like, okay, I think I can quit the day job. And so I was giving my all. When you're starting out, if you're not giving at least five hours four hours a day, you're not really serious. Would you agree with me? You're an entrepreneur. <laughs> I work long hours. <laughs> work long hours. And that's some, that's a sacrifice you have to make when you're starting out. When you, you know, get some stability and some visibility, people start to know who you are, you can relax a little bit. And I actually have been going, 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 pretending like I'm still in the starting stages when I've actually grown a lot. And so now it's time for me to actually take a step back because I'm finding that I give so much and I work too much, burning myself out. So in the beginning, work a lot, work hard. I would say at least two hours a day. If, at least at two least, hours a at day. At least two hours a day. You can least. do that. And the time, where do you find those hours? I would work during my lunch break on my business. I would, you know, wake up early, do, you know, something for 30 minutes, you know, in the morning. And at night when you get home from work, after the kids go to bed, work an hour or two. What are you doing in that time anyway? You're Netflixing and you're chilling. You're on Facebook. You're, um, oh, I don't know, on Twitter or Instagram. I remember the things that would hold me back from, from building my business. So when I started, I deleted the Facebook app. Procrastination. Yes. <laughs> I deleted the Netflix app. I was not doing any of those things. I was 100% on my business and I did miss out on weddings and some, you know, things because this, on selfies, 
selfies you know no <laughs> i mean memes going to those events i missed oh, out yeah. on because i was like you know this is my focus right now you have to have singular tunnel vision in order to succeed in the beginning stages of your business do you agree singular tunnel vision and uh, get rid of the facebook app get rid of just don't get rid of the cliff central app no you know i only go on facebook for my business now you know and everything i post has a purpose or a strategy behind it. Your so this is this is a lot of stuff. <laughs> this is a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. It's it's about where to go, what to do, how to start, mm-hmm. um, where to start, even. And we're gonna chat more about it. But I really, 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 really wish everybody could have the same kind of success on social media on their own businesses Me too. because i think that it's the one thing that's gonna definitely pull our economy out of a 0.00006 percent growth as it was in the last quarter but also that's the thing that's gonna change not just your life it doesn't when I think about myself and my business, it hasn't just changed my life, but it's changed the life that I give to my son. It's changed you know, it's changed and it changes the way that everybody sees what a black woman is about. Absolutely. The thing that a woman is about. It changes the world. And I think when when a woman changes or a girl is given an opportunity A girl, a young girl, doesn't just think of herself. She thinks of her brothers, her sisters, her parents. And you change everything. You change the world. Her name is Tepsi, T-E-P-S-I-I. And you get her on firstname.com, tepsi.com. And you have to tell us all your social media stuff, social media handles. How can people also get you? Are you on Instagram? I'm on Instagram. You can find me at Tepsi, T-E-P-S-I-I-T. T. Oh, there's a T there's there. a T at the end. Oh, because we didn't even talk about her surname. Oh. <laughs> on another day. I only go by Tepsi, actually, in my business. So, mm-hmm. um, so T-E-P-S-I-I-T on Instagram. Um, you can find me on uh, Twitter, Tepsi, just T-E-P-S-I-I. I also Periscope. I don't know if any, if you know anything about that app, but I Periscope. You Periscope. <laughs> so, um, you can find me at the same handle, T-E-P-S-I-I on um, Periscope and on Facebook. Just search the, the word T E P S I I. You'll find me come up all over the place. Eh? What? Oh, um, also on. Sean is in the background. <laughs> he said he's not going to talk. He said he can come in. I said he can come in the studio and he must sit there in the background like a good husband. Like a good vendor husband. He must sit in the background. And now he is talking. He's talking. So he's telling me, he's reminding me um, that if you are interested in learning more and in starting your online business yourself, you want to come on over to copybesties.com, which is C-O-P-Y-B-E-S-T-I-E-S dot com. And there you can join our free complimentary Facebook group where I give tips like this all the time. I go in depth with strategy and um, with how to actually grow your business. Mindset, number one, is the mindset, what I talk about a lot. And um, before I go, I want to say hi to my kids. Is that okay? Of course you can say hi to your kids. <laughs> this thing is about working moms. She can only be a mom because her kids are there. So hi, yes. girls. I'm hi. also saying hi. Hi. So we have Tendi. 
who's three. We have Nandi, who's two. Oh, sorry. Tendi is four. Nandi is two. And Funi is 11, starting her first day of school today. So I want to give them all a shout out. And, and thank you so much for having me here. Big shout you. out. So there's a lot of information. And hopefully she's had enough fun that she's going to come back here on Womanda and chat with us about some of the things that we can do to make um, our businesses bigger, to grow our businesses. This grow our our businesses. So Start fast. our businesses. The hour goes very fast, but I'm definitely going to try and get her back, girls. I'm Pumima Shekho, and you've been tuned into Womandla. We're out here keeping it real, as we always do. See you next week. Bye. Mm.